Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Welcome into the Osmo MMA Strategy Show for UFC Vegas number 32, which goes down on Saturday night inside the Apex there in Las Vegas. We got an early start time there on Saturday afternoon. Prelims start 4 p.m. Eastern time. Main card, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. We're going to break down all of these fights, and I promise, in the show, we'll give our picks this time. I know last Thursday, we didn't give our picks. We'll definitely give our picks this week. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, uh, how are you doing here on this Thursday afternoon? It, it's a nice and very shiny as I look outside the office here here in uh, here in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, you know, we've been kind of dodging some rain like for the past couple of weeks, and uh, you know, it's all right. Um, got a busy, busy work week ahead, and then uh, we have some awesome fights on Saturday, so I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to these fights on Saturdays, just like your, yourself here. Uh, you know, of course, we've got the return of TJ Dillashaw, which I really want to know. Without someone going to Google, do you know what TJ stands for? And if you were in Pete's uh, Twitch stream last night, you know the answer to the question. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it took me by surprise the first time I found out. I forgot how I found out about that, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, you wouldn't know. It, it, TJ, it you know is probably the definitely the uh, the preferred name to go by. <laughs> yeah, most most definitely here. But of course, uh, returning two and a half years away from the sport due to that failed drug test that he had uh, pre and post fight for his matchup there against Henry Cejudo. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that I've really noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this over the past couple of days of when we're talking about drug suspensions, the way people view his drug suspension is totally different than anybody else. I mean, he's never going to that cheater tag is always going to be there. He's never going to get away from it. By the way, Maddie, get it right there. It is Tyler Jeffrey Dillashaw. That is what TJ uh, stands for here. But man, he it, it's it's a tough opponent here in, in Corey Sanhagen. And there's a reason Corey Sanhagen is a favorite in this one. When you look at the difference in Corey Sanhagen since that Aljamain Sterling fight to what he's rolled off here in his past couple of fights. Man, this is a tough matchup for Dillashaw to come back from two and a half years. And I, I said this yesterday on my show, Pete. I don't know what to expect from TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, uh, he he's definitely bringing a surprise factor, right? Because we don't know how tainted his legacy is because of the, you know, the USADA suspension. Like, we don't know uh, how many of his fights he was possibly dodging and kind of, you know, weaving in and out of these drug tests. Uh, he, he tries to claim that EPO really did nothing for him, but 
that there's a reason why you were taking it. And it was definitely to feel better at that weight class, but also to perform at a higher level. So EPO being such a, an endurance enhancer is, is a very scary thing because we always talk about how the, the scariest thing in the world is running out of gas in the octagon and not being able to, to defend yourself or, or do, do what you're capable of. Um, and, you know, with an unlimited gas tank, there's really not too much to, to worry about. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm interested to see how he returns. Obviously, he's going to have to step in there and not miss a beat because going up against Sanhagen, who's been on fire and has been in rhythm of late, you know, it's going to be a very, very difficult thing despite them, you know, training together previously. I, I think the, the really the, the question I have with TJ Dillashaw is more of this like, okay, so we, we saw how it went there uh, against Henry, um, Henry who did not go well for him at all. You know, to me, it, it's more of sitting back and saying, okay, what is TJ Dillashaw's path to victory? Now, if you want to take the Aljamain Sterling route, okay. I just don't think he goes that route. I, I think that he's going to sit there and have a striking matchup in this one. I don't think this thing's going 25 minutes, Pete. I mean, look, I think if you're a multiple lineup entry player, you know, you got to have both sides this fight. But if I'm a single entry player, to me, I, I think it's take Corey Sanhagen if you can fit him in your lineup. Yeah. So for me, like, you know, TJ Dillashaw early on in his, uh, you know, in Sanhagen's career, he, he spoke about Sanhagen saying how he's a great training partner of his and, you know, how Sanhagen will get the best of him in training. But, you know, that's training. And now this is under the bright lights and it's just going to be a lot to overcome. But TJ Dillashaw is championship caliber. He has all the skills to back it up. Um, good striking, sneaky wrestling. And I think the wrestling is something that he could look to resort to in a matchup against such a dangerous striker and Corey Sanhagen. Now, uh, I don't really know if he has the submission chops that, that a guy like Aljamain Sterling did in that matchup where he was able to really capitalize on a very advantageous position against Sanhagen. But I do think that if TJ Dillashaw is able to mix in some takedowns to possibly solidify some rounds, wear down say Sanhagen, we, we could be talking about a very, much closer fight because on the feet, I do prefer the movement and the speed and combinations of Sanhagen and, uh, to, to look back and think of what Dillashaw did to Henan Burrell, it's just amazing the skill set that I, you know, I hold Sanhagen to. Like, I, I really admire what Sanhagen is, but let's also not forget how talented TJ Dillashaw is. But, uh, you know, it's a must-have for me in the lineups. You know, five-round fight, I think it's going to go at least two. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I, I do think that, you know, the longer it goes, possibly TJ is able to, to you know, get back into the fight with his wrestling. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the fight. I'm picking uh, Corey Sanhagen in the matchup, and I think that he could end up going out there and knocking out Dillashaw. Yeah, that's why I think the prop bet of Sanhagen win by TKOKO at plus 120 is one of those prop bets I think you got to pay attention to. But, look, you, you got to look at the TJ Dillashaw thing, you know, side of this equation, too. He definitely could get the job done. Now, one of the best ways for you could, how you can win a free month of Also Plus Platinum is to review your favorite podcast, a part of the Also Podcast Network. Hopefully it's this show, the, the Strategy Show, which, of course, uh, you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, download the show, and leave Leave a five-star review with your Twitter handle or awesome username. You'll be entered to win a free month of also plus platinum. One lucky winner is awarded every Friday. Your reviews are eligible for up to one year. It's a simple, it's easy. It doesn't take any time at all. And it's most likely your best chance at winning a free month of also plus, which is valued at about $90. I head over right now. Awesome.com 
slash podcast. Be sure to give the awesome MMA podcast a five-star review. We really do appreciate that. Let's move over to the co-main event. We got Aspen Ladd taking on Macy Chazon. And uh, look, Pete, I think this is kind of that, that old-school MMA matchup, striker versus grappler. The one thing that you have to note on the Macy Chazon side of the equation Six-inch reach advantage in this one. She is a striker. Aspen Ladd, first fight since December 2019, coming off that knee injury. So, obviously, the question of how does she bounce back after that knee injury. But to me, it is very clear. If Aspen Ladd's winning this fight, it's her taking the fight to the ground and just pounding on Macy Chiazon on the ground. And if Macy Chiazon's going to win, to me, it's putting it's, this is thing is staying on the feet. I think in terms of DFS, Aspen Ladd, to me, because of the takedowns, is someone you have to look at, but I do think this there's a good chance this goes 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm interested in this fight for sure, and I understand why a lot of people will be looking at Macy Chiasson. Uh, I, I like at 7,300. I, I do like her. I like the volume. I like the length, um, and I do like her skill set on the feet, but obviously the X factor is Aspen Ladd being able to, uh, you know, dictate where the fight, you know, takes place. And if she can change levels and put, you know, chase on, on the mat, I think it's going to be a much different fight. So it's all, it all comes down to if Aspen Ladd can pin her against the cage, because I think if she can get her against the cage, avoid the tie clinch, um, and then, you know, try to take her down by locking her hands. I think we could be looking at a, a decent score at 8,900. Um, I don't know if she goes out there and finishes Macy, because I know that Macy's so, so tough, but that ground and pound that Aspen Ladd possesses is amazing. Um, I will be siding with Aspen Ladd ever so slightly. If it's on the feet, we could see Macy Chiazon, uh light Aspen, Aspen Ladd up like a Christmas tree. So I will be splitting some exposure, but leaning heavily towards uh, Aspen Ladd. Yeah, I lean her that way, but to me, if Macy's going to win this fight, it's her just keeping this fight range, using that reach advantage she does have uh, in the matchup here, but uh, because of those takedowns, I do like Aspen Ladd. Uh, I do want to mention a, a comment about TJ Dillashaw. Uh, Joseph said he only tested positive for EPO one time. They checked his urine test from every other fight and came back negative. EPO is detected via a blood test, FYI. Um, he failed it for two times, his pre-fight and post-fight tests. Now, he has tested negative in 30 USADA drug tests since the first matchup, but the way they check EPO is via a blood test. Yeah, it's a sneaky. Uh, let me tell you, I've trained with some of the you know highest caliber out there and uh, not saying anybody that I train with, but I've been around some of the big camps and there's some shady stuff that goes around, especially this is a dirty sport in a, a lot of areas. So, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, look, you you hear stories. I mean, look, Cody Garbrandt, uh, you know, he has been out there, and uh, I saw I saw Cody, uh, you know, uh, retweeted a tweet today about it. Like, I almost feel like Cody's got a tweet saved in the drafts, ready to go if Sanhagen wins on Saturday night. Oh, easy. E easily, absolutely. I mean, because you don't know, like, especially when you're teammates with somebody, and, and Garbrandt is one of the guys that was, you know, basically – the first to bring it to everybody's attention. And then like, you know what he's doing behind closed doors. That's, you know, not being detected. It's, it's shady, man. So I, I can only imagine if Dillashaw loses, how Garbrandt's going to feel. Yeah, of course, uh, as always, appreciate everyone that's tuned in here to the Awesome MMA Strategy Show. Of course, be sure to subscribe also right here on YouTube. If you have not already done that, hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. Following us will be the MLB Deeper Dive with Greg and Adam to get you ready for tonight's 
MLB Slate. And, of course, uh, we do have free premium data and tools today over awesomeo.com. If you're not an Awesome Plus member and you want to get a peek, but what is behind the paywall, the MLB Top Stacks is today's free premium data and tools. So if you want to get a peek of what is behind the paywall, you can check that out right over there. Next up, let's move on to a bantamweight matchup. We got Kyler Phillips and Roleon Paiva. 9,200 here for Kyler Phillips, 7,000 here for Paiva. Uh, let me get get your take here is do you want to pay up for uh, Kyler Phillips in this situation? I mean, look, I think as a straight-up play, he's the right side to play here. But in terms of DFS, at, at 9,200, we're looking for a stoppage here. Yeah, I think that he could get it, though, because I do think that Kyler Phillips is so skilled in, in all facets of the game. I think that his striking is so unique. I think that he has solid grappling to back it up. Um, and I also think that Holly and Piva is just going to be, you know, not so, so talented in a, in a bigger division. So I think that Holly and Piva's skills may not translate completely to this division, but I do think that Holly and Piva is a dangerous fighter. Um Kyler Phillips is a guy that I think at 9,200 could go out there and, uh, you know, have like a, a very, you know, breakthrough performance. I, I just like it. Um, it's a hefty price tag for sure, but I, I don't mind, honestly, like sometimes skill wins out and I just prefer to play skill rather than always staring at that salary. And I like what I'm seeing from Kyler Phillips and I believe that he gets the job done. Yeah, I mean, he's it's a hefty price tag over on the FanDuel mm-hmm. side of the equation at $22. The only fighter that is more expensive than him uh, is Sajar Eubanks at $23, which is yeah, crazy number. Great. We're going to talk about that fight a little bit later on. Crazy number for a fighter that goes to decision more times than not. Very true. I saw that when I was putting together my spreadsheet and I saw that number, I was like, Ooh, that is one big number here. But to me, I think in terms of, you know, playing a side in this Phillips fight, Phillips definitely is a side that I would prefer to play on here. Next up, we've got a matchup that I'm actually surprised on the main card of Darren Elkins and Derek Minner here, Derek Minner, 8,600, 7,600 for Darren Elkins. I just can't, I, I, I just don't want to play a guy that goes by the name, the damage. I know. Right. But Jason, I Uh think that I do. Uh I I think that I do honestly. And the reason, reason behind it is like Derek Minner for me, I've been following him even when he was on the, you know, the regional scene, he's very talented. Um, He's explosive, but hunts submissions and is like a, you know, a limited gas tank type of fighter where he goes all out really early in the fight. And if you can weather that storm or reverse some positions or put him in some bad positions. Not that he breaks, but you really turn the tide and uh, you know, you can get him out of there. And I think that a guy that's so durable and Darren Elkins, I think that's what we could see here because Elkins has fought legitimate competition. Um, You can go through his entire record and, and yes, he's been beaten up a lot and he has a lot of damage on his body, hence the nickname. Um, But like he has some notable wins, man, and some awesome submissions and, uh, you know, some TKOs as well. I, I'm just, I, I really like him. I, I think that he's going to be able to nullify some of Derek Minner's strengths, um, you know, in Minner's previous performance where he was on top of Charles Rosa. You know, that was really like a glimpse into Charles Rosa's, you know, just welcoming jujitsu game where he's comfortable off of his back and not too, too inclined to stand up or reverse positions or try to, you know, implement his own takedowns and pressure. And I think a guy like Darren Elkins can actually reverse positions and basically beat Minner at his own game. Um, Obviously the submission skills of Minner can get Elkins out of there early, 
but I do think that Darren Elkinson, 7,600 is a guy that I have no problem playing this week, to be honest. I don't like the price tag on Derek Minner, 8,600. Like, yeah. I, 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 I mean, that. like, I'd rather spend $100 more and get to get to Jordan Williams, even though I do have some concerns about Jordan Williams' mm-hmm. matchup. Like, to me, like, when I look at that, you know, that 8,800 to 8,400, I just don't want to really get to a lot of Derek Minner here, even though, and we, we've talked about this Jim for, you know, for several months now, right now, you don't exactly want to bet against. I know. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's the number one thing, right? Like for me, that's the number one thing I'm worried about. Like the only reservation I really have in this matchup is Gloria MMA and James Krause and Derek Minner, you know, working close with that. And it's like, man, I know that that James Krause can mold a lot of fighters, but let's also kind of like go backwards a little bit and remember how you know blinded we were about the Kevin Kroom situation when he was able to go out there and put away uh, mm-hmm. Roosevelt Roberts, right? I believe that's yeah, who yeah. it was. And uh, when he did that, you know, we had blinders on, thinking like you know that Kevin Kroom could be the next big thing. But at the end of the day, a dog's a dog, and a fighter has tendencies and uh, some fighters have tendencies that are very, very difficult to break no matter who the coach is. So I think that's something that, uh, you know, I'm not trying to overshadow the skill set in this matchup. I think that Elkins can push Minner in certain spots. So that's why I'm favoring Elkins in the matchup. Interesting note about glory MMA and fitness SBG guys out of Ireland have been making their way to glory. James Gallagher is now there. Mm-hmm. Kiefer Crosby, who is fighting next week against uh, Georgia Carhagen and Bellator, he is now there. I actually talked to Kiefer uh, right before this show. So uh, kind of an interesting note about Glory and Main Fitness there. You know, uh, some of the fires that are coming in there. So, so, you know, something to note. It's just one of those things I, I hate to go against a, a Glory fighter. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I do understand where you're coming from there. But really tough also to trust uh, Darren Elkins here. Now, I do want to let you know that we do have two new YouTube channels that you need to subscribe to. If you love what we do for DFS, then you're going to love what we're doing for season-long fantasy football and sports betting. Yes, Football season is here, people. It is crazy. Training camp starting this weekend. And, uh, man, it, it feels like football season just ended, but fancy football season is here. Just click the just click the link pin in the YouTube chat to subscribe to these channels and make sure to make sure to turn your notifications on too. We'll be producing sports betting and fancy football content around the clock. So make sure to stay up to date from videos from your favorite awesome hosts. And if you want to check out some of the free content we are offering. You can find our fantasy football rankings in front of the paywall on the awesome.com fantasy football tab. And for sports betting, you can check out the also odds tab for access to odd shopper and for our MLB betting tools, which include our sports betting model and player props tool. By the way, I think it's crazy. People are already doing fantasy football drafts. I do mm. not do fantasy football drafts till literally about three or four days before the regular season starts. I mean, I've been burned by injuries in the past. So like, I, I will be researching like crazy, you know, especially on Osmo. And then I will push my, my drafts a little bit later just to ensure that I don't get stuck with somebody who's injured for the rest of the year. Could you imagine doing a fancy draft the night Cam Akers That's suffers a, a torn Achilles? And if you, if you didn't have your notifications on, you might have missed out on potentially a great opportunity. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I, I think it happened to me one time. I said never again. Yeah, I think we've all been there, Pete, at some point we're taking our, our fancy football teams here. Uh, let's move on to we got a female matchup, Miranda Maverick taking on Macy Barber. The most interesting note about Macy Barber, training a team alpha male. 
Yeah. And, you know, I know that team alpha male has really gotten, you know, a bad rep over the years because it's been, you know, producing some very inconsistent fighters. Um, I do think that we're going to start to see a change in that. I do think that, you know, Uriah Faber is a very smart guy. And I think that he has a stable of solid coaching staff there. Um, I do think that is a good fit for Macy Barber, honestly. I mean, you know, as a, as a female mixed martial artist, it's important to surround yourself with, you know, I, I think that training with the, with the guys makes a ton of sense, especially lighter guys. And you have an entire gym filled with it, especially like strong grapplers. You have all skill sets at that gym. So I do like the, the switch for Macy Barber, but we have to be careful uh, with this matchup because it's a, it's a case of recency bias and hype. You know, Miranda Maverick is kind of like taking this recency bias because she has looked excellent in her previous fights. Um, but Macy Barber up until her, her last two drops was like the next big thing for women's yeah. MMA. So let's also kind of put everything into perspective and see where they stack up at the moment. Miranda Maverick holds the edge in terms of, you know, uh, I, I would say like rhythm, you know, having, you know, being victorious in her fights, um, feeling confident Macy Barber coming off an injury and also just dropping a fight to Alexa Grasso. Like she's having to overcome some adversity, but I think that she's fought slightly tougher competition and uh, i'm actually surprised to see macy barber kind of like everybody's like throwing her to the side i'm going to pick macy barber but it's it's very slightly because i think that this is a matchup that should have been you know taken care of years down the road um pretty odd matchmaking there's a couple odd you know matchups on this card the macy barber miranda maverick the adrian yanez randy costa just like a couple fights to me that don't really make a lot of sense as terms of uh, longevity for these fighters in and their careers but uh I'm actually picking Macy Barber. And, you know, when a lot of people zig, I tend to zag. And I feel like this could end up being like a, a pretty contrarian uh, play. I'm sure you have been reminded this week about Macy Barber in her last fight, right? Yes. Yes, I have. For, and... for people who do not know what we're talking about, it is all over MMA Twitter. Her fight against Alexa Grosso, where literally she's shadow boxing. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, I mean... I don't hate it so much. I understand that there's like a massive gap in space between the two of them, but uh, you know, you'll see like fighters, you know, especially advanced strikers do that every now and then they'll, they'll show some half punches, some feints and some fakes. You see Cal McCater do it, but then he follows it up by fake fake and then steps in with a hard three, two or a hard jab cross. Um, she kind of just, you know, faked and punched the air and just stood there. So I, I think if she can kind of, you know, mix in some different tricks over at, you know, team alpha male. I think that she's, she's going to, uh, you know, be able to round out her game. I'm sure that they're working on takedowns and top control at, you know, team alpha male in, in order to try to possibly get Miranda Maverick on her back. But look, I, I do agree with what you said there. This is odd matchmaking. You would think yeah. that with how the, the viewpoint of Macy Barber was not that long ago, that they, they would have maybe put her more in, hey, let's put her in a showcase fight, right. you know, build her back up here. You know, I, I do like being at Team Alpha Male. I do like that switch up here. Uh, I just hope that she's not going to become a fighter that we just see constantly changing gyms. And because yeah. typically that just doesn't work out well. No, um, I mean, there's several fighters that have really, you know, been like that throughout their careers and it's not it's not good it's good to learn from a lot of people but it's also like important to have a stable trustworthy group of people that are kind of following you throughout so um 
you know, I, I love Miranda Maverick's skill set. So don't get it twisted that me siding with Macy Barber just slightly is just based on, I think, aggression and uh, the possibility of landing in top control. Uh, I do think that, you know, Miranda Maverick's debut in the UFC, you know, just lasting one round and then having a, a solid performance against uh, Jillian Robertson could somewhat be over, you know, blowing her, you know, her ceiling, so to speak, at this moment. And I, I'm okay with kind of going to the underdog and Macy Barber. I will tell you the next two fights are two fights on this card that I will prioritize for GPPs. First up, Adrian Yanez, Randy Costa. Both these guys have done a great job of promoting this this matchup here. Uh, where Adrian he loves himself some Dr. Pepper. Uh, it's always his go-to after the fight is over. Make sure he gets himself a Dr. Pepper. Randy, who loves Reese's Pieces, but also loves himself some head kicks. Uh, you know, this, that, that's what Randy's known for. Randy is a guy that has only made it out of the first round one time in his career. Adrian Yanez, man, his striking is crisp. A lot of people are comparing him to a young Jorge Massal in terms of his striking abilities. Like, to me, this is a fight that I would be shocked it goes 15 minutes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, shout out to uh, Rainy Costa and my my head coach. Um, in addition to my father is uh, Greg Rabello, and he's the he's flying out to Vegas or in Vegas right now, cornering yeah. Rainy Costa. So you know, I'm very familiar with Rainy Costa and what he brings to the table. And uh, on the outside, that he could pose a ton of problems to Adrian Yanez because of the kicks, and that's what makes him so dangerous within his division. Is you know, when a lot of people are looking to close the gap and get in tight for boxing and, and, uh, you know, phone booth fighting, you know, Costa is able to keep it on the outside blend kicks behind his punches. And those blended kicks come, come at very sneaky angles that you don't see him. And that's, you see it, he's, he's trying to head kick everybody. And that's hence the nickname, the Zohan. So, uh, I, I think that this is a very interesting matchup. And this is another one where I don't really agree with the matchmakers. I understand that they want to do it because it's a fun fight, but you know, in this game, you, you, your career can get derailed just from one bad performance. And uh, I would hate to see either one of these guys get their careers, you know, derailed. I do think that Adrian Yanez reminds me like, for me, he reminds me like Sergio Pettis of now. Like, I think mm -hmm. that he looks so, so talented, good striking, um, you know, good technical defensive ability as well. And I think that he's going to really push Randy Costa, especially in the counter-striking department. So I'm interested to see your take on the fight. I think you have to roster one of these guys. This is like a GPP must-have. Uh, the two the two fights that I think a GPP must-haves are Minner Elkins and uh, Yanez Costa. I think you have to have somebody in each of those fights. And uh, I'm interested to see you know, who you're siding with in this fight. First off, you got to put Allen and Soriano in that mix, too. You have yeah, to. that's a good one, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I mean, look, I, I think that it's – if Randy's going to win this fight, to me, it's going to come early. One of the things that when I had Adrian Yanez on my show, Leo, Mar Leo Mana Martinez, get used to hearing that name. He was just signed by the UFC uh, following his last fight. He got signed off Dana White's looking for a fight series. He has been Yanez's main sparring partner for this one because Leo Mana is known for his head kicks. So he's literally been seeing head kicks for the last six weeks. Every single day he's in the gym here. I just, I, I think that I prefer the striking of 
Adrian Yanez in this situation. But look, I, I do like the fact of when you think of a kickboxer, you know, the fact that Randy now uh, living in South Florida, doing all this training there at Stanford MMA under Henry Hoof, I think that was a great transition for him there. But to me, I, I'm going to have way more Adrian Yanez. But to me, in terms of pump play, I think Randy Costa is, is a good pump play just because if Randy is going to win, it's going to be my knockout. Yeah, so so you know some more facts on it is that Giannis has fought tougher competition and that he's been you know throughout you know fifteen minutes and even in championship rounds. So I think that the experience sides with Giannis, and I think that uh, as the fight progresses, it's more of Giannis's fight. Early on, Giannis really has to be very very careful. So this is more like a 60-40 for me, and uh, I I do think that Giannis walks away victorious. I will be rooting like crazy for Randy Costa. And I hope that he doesn't and catches uh, Yanez. But to me, the skill set that, that I see out of Adrian Yanez is uh, of a fighter that's possibly going to be uh, contending for the belt one day. Yeah, Samuel asking about exposure, saying it's a 50 50, 60 40. It's for me, it's 70 30, 70 Yanez, 30 um, Costa. That's fair. And uh, I can't hate on it at all. Um, I, I think that, you know, either way you go in this matchup, depending on the rest of your lineup, could uh, could end up shooting you up through the rankings. Of course, uh, this show is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight with Monkey Knife Fight. You are in charge. Head to monkeyknifefight.com to check out all the player props they have over there. And when you sign up, be sure to use that promo code AWESOMO as Monkey Knife Fight has an instant first match deposit of up to $100 when you use that promo code Awesome. And we, we always like to do is give you some plays in terms there. And uh, two fights I'm going to profile here. First up, the fight we were just talked about Adrian Yanez, Randy Costa. Very interesting number here 48 and a half for Yanez, 43 and a half for Costa. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think this fight goes a little longer than uh, than seven and a half minutes. I think this mm -hmm. this kind of gets close to that third round. So I'm kind of thinking more on both of these guys. I don't I don't hate it. Um, I will tell you that you know Costa will probably throw forty head kicks in the first round. So uh, you know you're probably going to be you know close to your numbers right off the bat. And uh, <laughs> you know I think it's going to be an excellent fight, and they could have exchanges back and forth. And then uh, as the fight progresses, like I said. Uh, it would definitely favor Giannis. And we need to get a little karate exhibition between you and uh, Randy. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be fun. Um, you know, I haven't been able to spar with, uh, with Costa, but, uh, you know, I, I, he's uh, working with my coach. So I'm obviously rooting for him. Uh, next up main event, Corey Sanhagen, 78 and a half total strikes, 
TJ Dillashaw, 57 and a half. The, on the, the Sanhagen, just because I think this fight is over within the first three rounds, I'd probably go less Sanhagen. The Dillashaw is a tough one. I might go less on Dillashaw as well. Ooh, it comes down to how many shots can TJ take, right? Um, yeah. I mean, Sanhagen can literally land one shot and walk away or land a couple shots and uh, it'd be over. I actually think I would hit them more on both of them, to be honest. I, they, they know each other pretty well. Yes, it is some years removed, but I think that we could be looking at a double more. Yeah, of course. Uh, be sure to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Use that promo code AWESOMO for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. And the one thing I always say about Monkey Knife Fight, you, you got to check it out earlier in the week because sometimes you can't find a little juicy number to where you can get uh, beat up, get get on a better number than you will get on fight night. Next up, we got a middleweight matchup. Punaheli Soriano taking on Brandon Allen. This will be the favorite salary fight of the week for Pete, 8,200 for <laughs> Soriano, 8,000 for Brandon Allen. Over on FanDuel, FanDuel, $15 for Soriano, $16 for Allen. Pete, this is an easy one for me to break down. Brandon Allen, don't stand. Take him to the ground. You're putting Soriano. Stop the takedowns. Make this a brawl. Yeah, and uh, I think that, the, you know, Puna Soriano has all the skills to you know, get a victory here. And the reason I do is because he's a very solid striker, but also a sneaky wrestler. Um, and I think that he can, you know, stifle the uh, offensive grappling of Brennan Allen and force him to stand with him or punish him on the ground. I think we could be looking at another finish. Um, obviously the, the elephant in the room is how is Puna Soriano's gas tank over three rounds? Is he going to be able to last the entire time, uh, have the same pop on his punches? Does he make mistakes when he's on the mat and starts to get ragdolled? Like, you know, Typical questions about fighters in adversity, but I, I will tell you that I think that Puna Soriano is possibly one of the, the hardest punchers within this division. And I, I don't really like how hittable Brennan Allen is. And, um, you know, I understand that he's at a strong camp, but so is Puna Soriano. And for me, it's Puna Soriano, but this is a, like a, a 70, 30 split for me. I think that Puna can go in there and get a fat, you know, big score or Brennan Allen's going to be able to, you know, implement his game, take him down, work towards a submission finish. But uh, it's Soriano for me, and I feel pretty bold saying that. And one of the things about Soriano, Extreme Couture, is us on a tremendous roll right now. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I have the same concerns you have of, of what happens if this fight hits a second and third round, and Brandon Allen can make this a grueling grappling matchup. I mean, that's that's your concern if you are a Soriano backer is that he gets taken down, potentially submitted. If you're an Allen backer, you're just hoping, man, shoot for takedowns, shoot for takedowns. That should be the entire game plan here. But, yeah, like, but to me, I think this is a critical fight in terms of when you're putting together your lines because from a salary perspective, it's a great salary, 8,200, 8,000, 15 to 16. I think Soriano's a great play over in FanDuel because you know he's likely going to have to stop um, some takedowns from Brandon Allen. So, I mean, to me, this is a fight that you have to put prioritize on. Yeah, 100%. And I will say that it's less about takedowns and it's more about just uh, wearing on them in the clinch. And I think that some people get so wrapped up in the idea of just shoot, shoot, shoot. But when you do that, if, if, you know, the early on in the fight, your, your opponent's going to be very strong and going to have tight and strong defense. So if you're able to wear on them in the clinch, maybe dirty box with them and just kind of, you know, 
hang your weight on them. You could zap them a little bit and then start to work in some takedowns or then, you know, start to really test their defensive ability. But, uh, you know, just to go out there and shoot right off the bat, I think Puna will, you know, sprawl, spin around and punish them with some ground and pound. So, uh, it's still Puna Hela Soriano for me, but if you have a take on Brennan Allen, I can't blame you. Yeah, I mean, to me, my whole take on Brennan Allen is just getting the fight to the ground there. Next up, we got Imovov versus Heinish. Ian Heinish, 8,500, 7,700 for Imovov. Uh, you know, the storyline with Ian Heinish heading into this one, he has been training down at Sanford MMA in South Florida. He was training in Colorado. I remember the last time I talked to him, so it was probably about a year ago at this point, where he was leaving Colorado and he was going to go to Thailand. And then all of a sudden, I see him at Sanford. He's now bought a home in South Florida. So that is where he's at. I, I like Ian Heinish in this matchup. I know we had a question over on Twitter that I, I do want to mention. Uh, it was from uh, Hunter says, uh, he goes, I'm flipping like hell in the Amaval fight with like each of our pains. No, but Ian is offensive wrestling enough to offset the technical striking disadvantage. I would say I really like Ian Heinish in this matchup. I think this is a little bit of a showcase fight for him. And uh, I do like the, I, I do like all this, the um, prop bets of Ian Heinish to win by finish. You can get, you know, inside the distance, which I want to say is plus 400. Uh, no, plus 275 was plus 400 to win by TKO KO. Yeah. So I, I will say that uh, this is an interesting matchup because, uh, you know, Ian Heinish coming off of, you know, a disappointing loss to Kelvin Gastelum, but, uh, you know, he was just out grappled in that matchup where he's taken down repeatedly. And, uh, you know, he has some pop. And before that Gastelum fight, he knocked out uh, Gerald Mearshart with a very nice shot. And, uh, you know, Nasruddin Imovov is a very, very talented guy. So this is another match matchup that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Heinish has fought like legitimate, legitimate UFC competition. Imovov's in his third UFC fight. Uh, has a win in his debut over Williams and then just lost a fight to Phil Hawes. And in that fight against Phil Hawes, you did see that, you know, at moments, Imovov struggles against pressure fighters. So I think that Heinish can definitely pressure him, um, imp implement some takedowns and, uh, you know, just be aggressive. He just has to be careful because Imovov is extremely dangerous and has so many skills to, you know, to make this, you know, a closer fight or possibly get a finish. So I will say that, you know, be very, very careful because Imovov's skills are legit. His striking's legit. His accuracy is legit. And so are his submissions. But it's Ian Heinish for me. Like, I, I mean, this is a card with a ton of favorites, in my opinion. Uh, Ian Heinish, I think, goes in there, could press him against the cage, mix in some takedowns, shouldn't strike too long because the longer he strikes, you know, the more that you're really inviting Imovov back into the fight. Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. We'll get to your questions there at the end of the show. Now, you know, I mentioned about, you know, fighters that move around a lot, gyms, and, you know, that's always not necessarily the best thing. One of those guys is Mickey Gall. We have seen this guy move yeah. around. And, and I think, unfortunately, the worst thing that happened to Mickey Gall is getting to the UFC in his second professional fight. You know, mm -hmm. it's just you got to develop there. Now he's taking on Jordan Williams here. Jordan Williams, a favorite, 8,700 for Jordan, 7,500 for Mickey Gall. Uh, of course, the note on this one is Jordan Williams going down to 170 pounds. He has, you know, he has a, a medical issue that, you know, really could not cut weight. So that to me is tomorrow. I want to see what he looks like on the scale at 170 pounds. To me, if you're Mickey Gall, you got to get this fight to the ground, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that we're going to have to pay close attention to the Wayans because I think that it's going to be, uh, could be detrimental for, to the card, honestly. Like uh, Aspen Ladd struggled with her weight. 
Um, you know, we have uh, Jordan Williams who could possibly struggle with his weight. You have Sajara Eubanks. So I think that we could, you know, learn a lot about the Wayans tomorrow. So, pl- you know, pay close attention and tune into us on Saturday. But I will say that for me, it's, it's Jordan Williams. And uh, I know that he's reckless at times and he's, you know, coming into the UFC on the contender series, didn't have a lot of success, but has fought legitimate competition and he does have skills. He he's able to, you know, exchange in slug fests. Um, he's able to prevent some takedowns. And I think that, you know, most people in the UFC in the 170 in 185 pound division can prevent Mickey Gall's takedowns because he doesn't have the best takedowns. He's a jujitsu guy. And we speak of this all the time. If you don't really focus on your wrestling or your judo, you're going to have a very hard time to implement your jujitsu or trying to get into advantageous submissions, you know, spots. So I think it's uh, Jordan Williams for me. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he went in there and knocked out Mickey Gall. Um, Mickey Gall, his shot in this fight to me is weathering the storm and possibly capitalizing on a fatigue Jordan Williams late Maybe he gets lazy and then he's able to work a submission, but you know, that that's more like a 10% play for me. I, I like Jordan Williams in this fight. Yeah. I mean, and I will tell you when you're looking to get a little bit of a leverage there in terms of ownership right now, liking what I'm seeing out of a potential leverage spot here for Jordan Williams at 8,700. Now, one of the biggest edges in sports betting is always finding the best line. And the best way to do that is go, go over to oddshopper.osimo.com. Whether you want to make a wager on MMA, MLB, whatever it is, you got to shop the lines there where you know you're looking for to find that edge you got to check out oddshopper.osimo.com where we compile the best bets available for game line player props and player and team futures all updated in real time even better odd shopper now has an expected win percentage and return on investment including for every mlb player prop bet available which is derived straight from the awesome mlb player projection so you can now find the best edge betting mlb player props so head over to awesome.oddshopper.com you there see it on the screen you gotta use that uh, when you're looking to shop the odds to find out the best place to make your bet let's move on to the next matchup we have got julio arce versus andre ul julio arce dropping down to bantamweight uh it's been a couple years since he fought at at bantamweight but, uh, you know, Andre Ull, obviously the length that he's going to have pretty much a majority of his Bantamweight fights, a five-inch reach advantage in this one. Uh, the one thing about him is five of his last seven fights have gone to decision. Last time he won a fight by stoppage was back in CES MMA. But, uh, I mean, look, if you're Andre Ull, can you keep this thing in length? Uh, if you're Julio Arce, once again, a guy, even though he has made 135 multiple times in the past on the regional scene, want to pay attention to what it looks like on the scale tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. So like from a skill standpoint, and I've been talking about skills a lot, but sometimes the most skilled fighter doesn't always win out. From a skill standpoint, Julio Arce is the better fighter, in my opinion. I think he's the more well-rounded athlete. I think that he has the more, you know, the crisper boxing as well, even though Andre Ewell is a, a pretty pretty solid boxer within the UFC and uh, is usually to be able, you know, able to be on the outside and out point and pick apart his opponent. But uh, I will say Julio Arce, um, former golden glove champ, uh, tons of knockouts, uh, some solid ground game as well. The one worry that I have, Jason, is if this weight cut is too much for him. And if like people don't understand when you cut a tremendous amount of weight or more than normal, and then you are, you start to eat shots you are more susceptible to get knocked out. 
especially if you have a terrible weight cut. So that's the one thing I, you know, we don't really look at Andre Ewell as a finisher, but uh, if he catches Julio Arce, things could change. So I like Julio Arce a lot in this matchup, but I will definitely be including some Andre Ewell in about 10 to 20% of some lineups just in case he's able to get a greasy decision or something like that, because it's a close back and forth striking affair, or if he's able to capitalize on a potential bad weight cut, but uh, Julio Arce skill standpoint, he's been coming off a layoff as well. He mm-hmm. should go be able to go out there and just kind of like have a y'all must've forgot performance. And I think that he's so, so talented within the division and especially at 135 pounds can make a ton of noise. Yeah. First fight since November of 2019, for Julio Arce, but yeah, he is one of those guys. I want to see what he looks like on the scale. Uh, but man, if you're going to take him in your DFS lineups over on DraftKings and on FanDuel, you got to pay up for him. 9100 mm-hmm. on DK, $20 over on FanDuel. I mean, it's, it's an expensive price here where I, I do kind of feel like there may be some better options there in those, in those price ranges. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see, I can see this fight going the distance, honestly. Like I, I can see this being like a, you know, in 85 to 88 point performance from Julio Arce. And at that price range, doesn't really come through for you. Um, if he's able to implement some strong leg kicks against Andre, you we've seen him struggle with that. And also if he's able to implement some takedowns, we've seen him, you know, at times look like a fish out of water on the mat. So there is potential. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. I'm just somewhat, you know, tempering expectations. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup, Eubanks versus Reed. Uh, Eubanks, 9300 on DK, $23 over on FanDuel for Reed, 6900 over on DK. She is $8 over on FanDuel. Uh, a couple of stats that you got to note when it comes to this fight. Sajar Eubanks, her last eight fights have gone the distance. Her last stoppage win came in 2016 over in Invicta. And for Reed, she comes into the UFC as the CFFC strawweight champion. She made two title defenses. She's only 4-0 in her career. Yeah, she won the CFFC title in her second pro fight. How does this fight make sense? I. Here's my question. If we are managing Reed, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't understand the rush here. Why not let her develop her skills a little bit more in the regional scene before you just get thrown into, you know, in, into the UFC? That That's my question with that one. I mean, not even that, but like there's so many other fighters that you should debut against besides Sajara Eubanks. And I understand that six and six makes Sajara Eubanks look like she's not a good fighter but she has a tremendous mm-hmm. skill set where she is solid boxing, uh, solid jujitsu, solid wrestling. And she has some notable wins over some dangerous competition. And the fights that she's dropped is against some dangerous competition. And you have a girl who's four and will want to keep this fight on the feet. If Sajara Eubanks takes her down, she could finish this within one round. And I can confidently say that even though Sajara Eubanks does not finish fights. Um, I'm telling you, man, this fight is like, if Sajar Eubanks loses a round to Elise Reed, then p- 
possibly the perception of Sajara Eubanks all along was incorrect. How did she do so well on the ultimate fighter? How did she get, you know, talked of possibly fighting for the title one day? Like if you are Sajara Eubanks, if you ask for this fight, one, your confidence is shot. And two, if the UFC is giving this to you, you must be like, wow, that is so disrespectful. I need to go out there and make a statement. Or you view it as, oh, thank you, UFC. I've been struggling. I need help out of my slump. You know what I mean? Like it to me, it's just such a nightmare of a matchup for Elise Reed. And I want her to do well. And if she can do well against some other competition, but debuting against Sajara Eubanks to me is just not a recipe for success. It's an odd matchup. It's an extremely odd matchup to me when, you, when you're talking about this one. Like, it's when you look at the history of Sajar Eubanks, you hate to pay that 9300 price. But I understand why people are going to get there. They're going to say, to me, this is a fight set up for Sajar Eubanks. But because of the history, you know, I, I'm not going to X out this matchup, but it's I'm limiting my exposure on this one. I, I don't want to get to a ton in this one just because I'd rather get to say an Adrian Yanez, you know, at 9,000, you know, spend $300 less to get to that fighter or a Corey Sanhagen at 8,800. I'd rather get to a Kyle Phillips hundred dollars less at 9,200, but I understand why people would go to Sajar Eubanks. Now, of course, if you do want to get access to all the great premium tools and data we have over at awesome.com, got to sign up for an awesome plus weekly pass for 29.95. This gives you full access to all the premium content and tools available at awesome.com for player projections, ownership projections, and so much more, including our Slack channel. And if you're a new user of also plus platinum, then you can take advantage of the promo code we have for this show. Use the promo code MMA strategy show one word, all caps. That's MMA strategy show for 25% off your first week of also plus platinum. And of course, if you're only looking for an awesome MMA weekly pass, you can get that for eight 95. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Awesome Plus. Uh, later on today, I'll be uh, submitting in my pro plays. And of course, uh, ownership projections and player projections are already up over awesome.com. So if you're already a member, you can check that out over at awesome.com. Now, our first fight of the night. Uh, I tell you, man, there has been a lot of chat about this matchup. I'm actually pretty surprised to see it as we got Hannah Goldie, 8,300, taking on Deanna. Belbita, who is 7,900. By the way, I was listening to John Anik talk about it. It looks like Belbita. That's not how it's pronounced. Yeah. It's, it's like pizza at the end. Belbita. <laughs> Belbita. Um, I will back, say back, that. Like back in the day, oh, Mike Goldberg would be calling her Belbita all day long. Oh, easy. Easy, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a, an extremely volatile matchup because uh, it's sneaky. And I think that, you know, a lot of people will look at low level women's MMA and try to get an edge there. And I think that's how you can get an edge in, you know, in uh, DFS, especially MMA DFS. And I think that it's interesting, you know, to target and to look at now Belbita has not looked good in her fights thus far uh, against Molly McCann. She did throw at a high clip of 98 uh, landed 98 significant strikes um, scored 48 and a loss. So that's a decent score against Molly McCann. Um, and then ended up taking down Joe Jua and getting submitted relatively quickly um, on the mat. So I think that, you know, when she throws, she has pop. And if you look at her record, her record's a little suspect and it's suspect because of strength of schedule. And she has a, a decent amount of finishes, 
right? I'm glad you brought that up, bro. Uh, of course. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Of course. I mean, she has a decent amount of finishes and, you know, she's fighting in somewhat of mismatches. So like she has the more potential, I think, to score high in this matchup because she throws with reckless abandon. And I think that she's going to be the more aggressive, whereas Hannah Goldie's content with being on the outside, uh, sticking and moving, hitting you from there and not being there when you kind of, you know, return fire. So she's, she's more of a matador. Now the problem with this fight is that I feel like Hannah Goldie's very, very strong and physical for the division, but with Belbita dropping down, how does that really, you know, how does, how does she really fare against the Hannah Goldie in some of these grappling and clinch situations? I think you have to have exposure to Belbita and I don't want to have exposure to either one of these, but this is such a volatile matchup. My thinking though, is that Hannah Goldie is going to still be on her bicycle, staying on the outside and picking apart Belbita, not in the sense of like her dominating her by any means, but like, yeah, I guess she won that round because she threw five more kicks and wasn't there when Belbita was swinging at the air. That's my take on the fight. But if, if you look at Belbita and say, wow, she could possibly work towards 90 to 100 points because she's so aggressive and she has so many finishes. I don't hate it either. I'm going to split exposure on the first fight of the night and just close my eyes with that one. Uh, this is low-level UFC women's strawweight action mm-hmm. right here. You mentioned about that strength of schedule, so I'll just bring it up here. So after she lost to Ariane Lipsky in KSW in a title fight, these were the records of her opponents at the time of the matchup leading to her getting to the UFC. 0-2. 3 and 1. 0 and 0. 0 and 0. 0 and 0. 1 and 2. If you really deep dive into a lot of people's records, you'll see that that's more of like a boxing approach and um, you know and sometimes it's a matter of bro, know, people bro, not wanting bro. to fight you, but bro, there's you got come 13 time. pro fights and you're fighting someone on a pro I, debut? I I agree with you. I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes don't, it's don't hard to find fights. Senior. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh god. Uh I will say that, you know, for me, it's Hannah Goldie and she could be the, the fighter that's not really getting talked about here. Um, she throws a really heavy right hand in her contender series fight. She looked good um, against, you know, Granger in her debut. She did not, but that was uh, about two years ago. And if people don't know that Granger's a, a decently skilled uh, striker, so she has some accolades behind her. So that's why she was kind of walking walking down Hannah Goldie at times, but uh, yeah, man, I, it's Hannah Goldie for me, but this is a nightmare of a matchup. Yeah. With you there, Hannah Goldie first fights since 2019 as well. So long layoff for her. See what she looks like here. Let's, let's get into our straight up fight picks here. Uh, let's start uh, at the top. Give me Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen for me. Uh, I will go uh, Aspen lad. Same Aspen lad. Uh, Kyler Phillips over Robbie on Piva. Kyler Phillips. I will, uh, Elkins Minner. Give me Derek Minner. Whoa, I'm going Darren Elkins. All right. Uh, give me Miranda Maverick against Macy Barber. Okay, I'm going Macy Barber. Uh, I will take Adrian Yanez. Uh, Adrian Yanez, too. Uh, give me uh, Puliana Soriano. Same. Soriano. Uh, we're, 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 uh, I, feel, I had a feeling we were kind of going to be on the same page for a lot of these. I will take Ian Heinish. Heinish. Uh, I will take Jordan Williams against Mickey Gall, but I, am, I, w- I do want to see what he looks like on the scale. That could change my pick. Agree, Williams. Uh, I will take Julio Arce against Andre Ull. Julio Arce for me as well. 
Got to take Eubanks against Reed. Eubanks, but be careful of the way in. I mean, Elise could just literally dance around the outside, but I highly doubt it. Goldie Belbitza. Give me Goldie. I'll go different than you. I don't feel good about it. No beats. Let's we'll get a little separation between the two. <laughs> I, I do want to mention before we get out of here, the super chat that uh, Samuel had a little earlier, uh, his usual questions, top two cash GPP underdogs, MVP favorite inside the distance ownership, leverage plays upset of the night, top fade arm from God, Jason LaFert fight, much looks fellas. Um, yeah, I really do not want to touch the main, the first fight. I, I just feel like, oh God, it's just, it's low level. It's just low level. Um, the favorite leverage play for me in terms of ownership, I think you got to look at Jordan Williams. So I'm interested to see what Sajar Eubanks ownership is going to be. I don't. It's not a leverage position by any means. No, it's not. Um, I, I think that you know a leverage position could be the Darren Elkins fight. I think that could be a little interesting there. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at, at leverage for, for people who are not aware, I'm looking for fires that we're projecting for under 20%. Um, Julio Arce could be another one of those fires. He's Ooh. priced up, so people may kind of go away from him. That could potentially could be a way for you to get an edge. I mean, look, you got to look at who's going to be that underdog that's going to pull off the upset of the night. Last week, it was Malcolm Gordon. I literally had zero Malcolm Gordon. I just I didn't think, you know, like, look, in terms of the fighter to potentially pull the upset, I might say Macy Chase on. I don't think it's going to happen, but Aspen Ladd coming off the knee injury, if Macy Chase on can keep it on the feet, uh, I do like Aspen Ladd to win the fight, but maybe maybe the upset of the week could be Macy Chase on. I don't hate it. Um, I think it could be. Uh, I think it could be uh, Macy Barber or Darren Elkins. Uh, in terms of uh, top two cash for me, uh, the high end, I will go Adrian Yanez. And on the lower end, uh, I would say Punahani Soriano. Yeah, I like Soriano a lot. Um, and I also think that Eubanks is probably a cash staple. Uh, I think that it's just a mismatch. Uh, in terms of uh, you know MVP champions, I really do like Soriano in the MVP role over on FanDuel just because mm-hmm. you know he's likely going to have to stop uh, stop some takedowns there. Um, I will tell you this. I, you know, uh, other ones I think could be maybe a little sneaky play. Ian Heinish. Could be a little sneaky play as a champion. Interesting. Um, top fade. Um, I, I'll probably I'll be fading the Elkins Minter fight. I, I just don't see me getting much of that. And I really, really? God, the Eubanks at ninety three hundred. It's it's about the price point and her decision history. I th- I'll be fading Mickey Gall, but that's you can't really fade somebody that's uh, that doesn't count. That's a that's a cop out, but uh. You know, I think of the the high priced fighters, maybe Derek Minner at eighty six hundred, somebody that I'm okay with getting less of. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, you know a GPP play, um, I think it's it's just like cash for me, Yanez and Soriano. But uh, you know, I think Jordan Williams is somebody definitely to look to just because you're going to have a little bit of, of a leverage play uh, there. In terms of that, anyone you got from Armbar forgot from guard. Yeah, it's from guard, guys, not armbar from God. Okay, it's from guard. Um, but uh, armbar from guard will probably be between the first fight of the night, Belbitza and Hannah Goldie. Um, that's that just screams armbar from guard. 
Yeah, I'm with you there, but uh, that is going to do it for us. Coming up next is MLB Deeper Dive. Myself and Pee Wee back on Saturday for Live Before Lock, 3 p.m. each time to get you ready for UFC Fight Night, Sanhagen versus Dillashaw. As always, appreciate everyone taking time to watch us live here on YouTube as you exit the show. Gives us a thumbs up also. Be sure to subscribe also right here on YouTube. So until Saturday, good day, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.